Hi, we are the Good Ship Illustration and we run online courses to help illustrators and image makers navigate a creative career. We are Tanya, Katie and Helen. We have about 70 years experience between us, each of us working in a different area of illustration. This series is a special picture book series of podcast question and answer sessions. Um, right now the doors to the picture book course are open, so you can just Google the Good Ship Picture Book course and we should show up. Um, but we'll pop a link in the description as well. We've got a special Q&A on Wednesday on Instagram live, haven't we? Yes. Seven o'clock Wednesday, turn up, ask all your questions there about the course or picture books, whatever. Yeah. And if you want to make sure you get all the email reminders and stuff, just make sure you're getting our emails, which you can do on our website, thegoodshipillustration.com. Um, yeah, we'll see you there. Welcome back to our picture book podcast series. This is our fourth of five episodes for this chunk um, so we're answering all your brilliant picture book questions and today's questions are very nitty gritty, details orientated, so it's, it's exciting. Um, I'll just go straight in. The first question is, what's the deal with self-publishing or print on demand? Is that a total scam? Hmm. Helen and I have got two different views on it. I'm the downer on it and you're quite positive, but I think there's two, there's two very different versions. Um, or maybe I'll give mine first then. Yeah, go for it. I have seen people who have gone and self-published in a, a whirl of enthusiasm and the books are printed, they arrive back at their house in five boxes and then they sit in their house forever because, you know, maybe they found a cheap print option, but they haven't thought about distribution and marketing and publicity and all the things that a publisher would give you. It can be quite an expensive flop, but there are alternatives to that if you've got an audience. Yeah, I think if you've got a, you don't even have to have a big audience, but if you've got a very, I don't want to say committed, <laughs> committed, what's the word? Engaged. Engaged, engaged audience. Or- if you've got an engaged audience who you know will take the next step and buy your book, then I think that's a good way of doing yourself. But you can, you know, have it printed a few at a time. You could even take pre-orders so you know how many you're going to sell. You used to do that with calendars, Katie. Yes, I was saying that. So like when I hear self-published, I'm like, yeah, it's great because you just do pre-orders and then you don't have any spare stock. You don't lose any money. You know, you've sold the thing before it exists. But I think the general consensus is that that's not really self-publishing, is it? That's just making things and selling them, but doing pre-orders. Yeah, and and you're an illustrator. You've got a design awareness. You've got print awareness. Um, And I shipped them all myself in that instance. It was like, I wasn't doing any product, like... It was all in-house sort of thing. Yes, yeah, so you kind well. of got control over it. There was one of our good shippers asked in the picture book course this week, actually. They said, I've been approached by someone who really likes the work that I do um, and, and the specific subject matter. And they wanted me to work on a book for a charity that she was running. Um, and my my theme and content completely chimed with what, what she wanted to make the book about. And it would be fundraising for a charity. And I kind of said to her, do you know whether this person has made a book before? Have they ever worked with a printer? Do they know paper qualities? Do they have, who's going to lay it out? Is there a designer involved? Um, does she have any money to pay you? The obvious one. So that would have been a kind of self-publishing collaboration. And quite often illustrators are, are approached by other people who have a passion project. And that passion project isn't yours. And you have to remember, because that's going to take time out of your career plans and your projects for yourself. Your passion project is what you should follow. Because quite often, people's passion projects don't even have any funds. So if you're looking at 12 illustrations, uh, minimum, you maybe be looking at 300 pounds. Let's compare it to a magazine commission. 
does that person, that individual who wants to work with you, i.e. use your skills, have 300 times 12 to, I mean, that's nearly £4,000 right up. on. They can't give you an advance because they haven't got any distribution sales to sell these books onto afterwards. So that's where self-publishing gets really sticky. And you go back to the thing of having a load of boxes of these books with their shiny, uh, low-quality, lightweight paper covers, and they don't even look like books. You know, they just look like some cheap rubbish. That's where it can be really dangerous. I think the benefit of having a publisher is that you're part of a team You've got your designer and you've got your editor. They really know what you're doing. You learn a lot from them as you go. Um, and and the cost isn't yours. The, yeah. the cost is theirs. It's their gamble. Um, I was going to say something else about that. Oh, yeah. There's the, that other thing where um, I, I've got a friend who does print-on-demand using Amazon. So he's uploaded his book to Amazon. And every time it sells, it prints on demand. Which is which is another way of doing it, which is a nice idea. I don't know if you call that self-publishing, print yeah, on demand. Print on demand yeah. is going to be a separate thing, isn't it? Yeah, and that's again, that's, it's probably different for different books and things. Sometimes the quality isn't maybe how good you'd want it, or would is different to if it was published by a proper publisher. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's it. I think if you've got a book designer on board at the very beginning, they've specified proper paperweights, proper cover weight, and the thing that actually looks like a book rather than it's a kind of a cheapskate option to, which so many of the self-publishing offers look really attractive, but the physical object that comes out at the other end is not really going to work unless you've had various professionals working on it. And like you said, Helen, a publisher, a publishing company is made of lots of different moving parts that ensure a book is well made and it's distributed and printed and designed and everything in a successful manner it seems so easy from the outside I also think you need to be really wary of vanity publishers so any situation where you are paying to have that book made is not a proper publishing deal we've had emails from people before thinking they've got a publishing deal and then asking if it's normal to have to pay three thousand pounds for yeah. their book to be published. Oh, which That's time not like, a publishing deal. Screaming at our emails like, "No, it's not real. <laughs> Don't do it." Of yeah. course, if you're paying to create a book and it's completely you doing it, that's a different thing. But vanity, vanity publishing. Maybe it's good explaining what that actually is. Yeah, they're they're publish they're basically printing companies that masquerade as a publisher, and they do publish. You'll get an ISBN number and so forth, but they will not distribute or promote or sell your book. Um, they have in-house design skills and good print knowledge, but they will provide you with whatever, uh, say, 5,000 copies of your book, and then it's up to you. So you do have a book, but you don't have a publishing deal. That's entirely different. And I think the where people come unstuck is where budding picture bookmakers Google things like Bloomsbury Publishing and looking to find an art director's name that they can approach or an editor's name to approach. And suddenly they see... Bloomsbury Limited something or other that looks very like Bloomsbury Publishing but isn't Um, and so they're using these different obviously vanity publishers appear on the search with um, offers to publish your book and say they're accepting manuscripts now please write in and of course they'll be offered two or three you know a three book deal a friend of mine's brother was offered a three book deal and she was so excited for him and then she told me the name of the publisher so I would recommend that you Google if if you are offered a deal and it almost it seems to be too good to be true Google the reviews of the name of that publisher to check it's not a vanity publisher 
Basically, if you're paying for it to be published, yeah. that's not a publishing deal. The is giant it? No. red flag. You should never mm. have to pay, basically. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, We've we covered it all, haven't we? Yeah. yeah. That is... So it's not always a scam, in short, but sometimes it is. <laughs> be, be, be careful. Um, so the next question is, I hear some publishers are more picky about eyes. So what have we got mm. to say about different styles? Yeah, this is good, yeah. So... In my experience, publishers want you to, they're quite resistant of a very, very realistic drawing of a face. If you like, try and imagine Shirley Hughes, if she went into even more detail and her eyes and mouths, you know how that kind of drawing can end up quite grotesque. When you can see like the veins of the eyeball and stuff. And I think if you try and draw a child very realistically, they very quickly become quite scary. Um... (laughs) So in my experience, publishers usually want you to do a kind of nice, simple version of the eyes and the nose and the mouth. And I can remember on one of the first books I ever did, I drew the eyes, if you imagine two almonds on their sides with dots in the middle, very, very simple. And they said to me, why don't you get an A4 sheet of paper and draw the eyes getting taller and narrower as you go down the sheet of paper? Just as an experiment. And I did that. And then there was, when I looked down the sheet of paper, there was an area where all the eyes looked really good. And I realized that the eyes at the top that had started off really almondy looked kind of unfriendly. And the ones at the bottom looked ridiculous. But there was like a, a nice warm spot in the middle where they looked just right. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm not sure this is the same for the States. I think maybe that kind of realistic way of drawing is more acceptable i'm not an expert on this but in the uk they definitely like you to find a kind of simple way of drawing children yeah i've heard some people say that you can almost tell who's representing someone by what kind of eyes they do oh really i've not heard that yeah so their their agent might give them advice on eyes yeah Oh. And I don't I maybe can't say who it is. I'll tell you afterwards. But <laughs> everyone's gonna be like, who is it? Yeah, there was somebody once said to me and they're like, Oh, you can totally tell that they're represented by so and so because their eyes in all of the books look the same. And really? Like, and then when I looked, I was like, You're right, they do. Oh yeah. my goodness. Yeah, I yeah, eyes are a really tricky subject. Can you do didn't you mention that you might do um a freebie? Yeah. A template on how to do how to explore all yeah. the different eyes. That's it. As soon as we started talking about this exercise that the publisher gave me once i thought this, this this needs to be in the course i'm gonna do it this is gonna be in, the, put course it in the course the next launch yeah can totally yeah. do a good pun on excess eyes as well <laughs> yeah, like eyes, eyes. <laughs> i won't i'll resist oh, the gosh. urge to do that yeah. <laughs> it's terrible <laughs> you could also do a, you know, a quick slideshow on eyes around the world in children's publishing oh, that's really good what about miffy eyes they're just a dot aren't they yeah, yeah miffy ex- you can there's a surprising amount of expression in the Miffy character. I went and to apparently the... he was really, Dick Bruner was really, really careful exactly where he would put the eyes and spend hours getting them in the right place to get just the right expression. And they're just two little kind of oval dots. That's amazing. I went yeah. to Dick Bruner's studio. They like recreated it in Utrecht in the Netherlands and Miffy land. And actually I bought you both postcards in yes, Miffy place, but I don't know where they are now. It's in my, in my house. <laughs> You gave us some. Did I? Yeah, we got our Miffy gifts from your trip. I don't think I got oh, mine. No. <laughs> oh, you, have you better go up back. Congratulations, Katie. Tanya. <laughs> Sorry, Helen. When I find it, if I ever find it, I'll have it with Edith tuned yeah. the corners. It's probably got like cornflakes on it. No, but because the eyes get talked about so much, we should definitely do something about this, looking at 
the impact of different eyes in and noses, character design. noses as well. It's the same, isn't it? You can yeah. have a little upside down you, a right that- way up you, a sideways you, a little tick. Did you see that thing on Twitter? And it was like to make somebody older, you just make the nose longer. And if I think short. that was Jarvis it was talking Jarvis, about yeah. that. I couldn't yeah. remember his name. Yeah, he was talking about the the bigger the no- the longer the nose, the older the character. There's also that thing of the further down the face the eyes yeah. are, the younger the character. Yeah. You can have so much fun playing with yeah. this when you. What did we even talk about? Oh, we're talking about publishers being picky about eyes. Mm-hmm. So maybe, mm-hmm. but play around making stuff that feels exciting and fun for you, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And that's your publisher happy with. Mm. Well, it's like doing character development, isn't it? And then this is the absolute apex of development. You've got the body, you've got the species, the outfit, <laughs> now the face. Mm-hmm. That would be that would be a great one to add in as well. Yeah. Okay, next question. This is a good nitty gritty business time question. Mm-hmm. Do you get 50% of payment at the beginning of the project and another 50 when you finish? Yes. Brilliant. Next question. Oh, hang on, hang on. I will add something. <laughs> okay. I've noticed in contract in contracts recently, in recent years, um, it's always been the case. You sign your contract, you get half your advance. You finish your book, you hand it in, you get the other half. But I have noticed in a few contracts, and I've always asked them to change it and it's been fine, they try and reserve a bit of money for when it's published. So say like a third when you sign, a third when you finish, and a third when it's published. But because I don't have control of when it's going to be published, I always make sure they fix that. Yeah. Also, actually, it's not a simple yes because sometimes it's split into three. So a third on signature, a third on roughs, and a third on handing in the final artwork. That's good that there's some flexibility as well. So if you see it and you want to tweak things, you can ask. Yeah, I would never agree to a third on publishing. Because it's not in your control. No. It might be like, in five years, we will yeah. publish. Or they might not publish. Yeah, that would be enough. Mm. Brilliant. Okay. Um, this question is about the dimensions. So, what canvas size should I use when creating illustrations for a picture book? Is there a standard size? Ratios hurt my head. Oh. <laughs> I've got steam coming out of my ears already. <laughs> Helen's favourite question. Well, whenever we roll out the course, the first thing everybody wants to know is dimensions. And compared to the rest of the stuff that is really important in making a children's book, the dimensions are like the least most important aspect of it. Like, you know, kind of generally what a picture book size is. Just roughly draw that on a piece of paper and work kind of that size because worrying down to the millimetre what size your book is going to be is going to make absolutely no difference whatsoever if your character is ugly, ugly, horrible. (laughs) Uh, Ugly is a bad word. I don't mean that. But, you know, it's unappealing or it doesn't um, grab your attention or make you want to know what's going to happen next. Um, And, you know, if you go and see a publisher or an agent and they love your story idea, they love your illustration they love your character design, but you drew it a centimetre too small, they're not going to send you packing. <laughs> so I'm not even going to name any dimensions. It's so irrelevant <laughs> because you, you might draw it one, you know, one specific dimension, go to the publisher, they love it and they want to publish it, but they want to make it five centimetres bigger. Yeah. And- so yeah, don't worry about it. As long as it's vaguely picture book size, that's it. But wouldn't you say as well... Uh- that comes from that thinking where people think I'm going to submit a book, and if they say yes, it will be printed just like the way just the way I submitted it. So really, you should think about your 
picture book as a sketchbook in a way, as a sort of semi-finished sketchbook. Because it never, ever happens, does it? No, it never happens. You never create your whole book at home, finish the artwork and hand it in and the publishers say, we love it, give you a contract and publish it. That never, ever happens. You're going to submit an idea for a book with maybe one or two illustrations, how you think they might look. The publisher want to have a hand in it. They're, they're going to be really involved in how that book looks. You're going to get an editor and a designer. Your book is really, it's going to go through a lot of process before it becomes a finished book. So you really don't need to know the dimensions. You might get to the publisher and they might only print in three formats. So there's no point even trying to fit a format mm. until you've met your publisher and your editor. And they'll give you a few dummy books and they'll say, which one do you like? Um, so yeah, don't worry about dimensions. You're not allowed. Not worry. allowed. It's like when you're at school, isn't it? The the comfort of being handed an A4 sheet of paper and being told, write your name at the top. And it's like, I think people want that, don't they? I think that's it. I think it's such a scary idea to start on your idea that isn't it nice that you could spend ages with a ruler just drawing out the shapes before you start oh can't stop don't have the right size paper exactly (laughs) it's a self-sabotage thing isn't it keeping you from committing to making the project at the very most maybe you just have a gut sense that it's definitely a a horizontally landscaped kind of book or you know it's a bumper book it's a huge one that you can barely hold in your arms or it's square or, or very vertical but you know those are just very rough ideas that's all you need to know isn't it yeah, just to yeah. get that sense of the yeah. what a double page layout looks like to you. Do you need it to be tall or horizontal? Yeah, go to the library. Have a look. Yeah, go to the library. Go to the bookshop. Just get a general idea of what they are. If it won't fit on the bookshelf at your bookshop, the chances are the publisher won't publish that. But they'll talk to you before you get to that stage. <laughs> <laughs> they won't print it and then go, oh, by the way, <laughs> sorry to bring this up now after it's been published. <laughs> No, that's what the vanity publisher will do. They will only tell you when you've paid for it. (laughs) Thank you for the £3,000. Your book is unpublishable. (laughs) That would be so so sad. (laughs) Have we got any more questions? We haven't, but that's um, a perfect amount of time, a perfect amount of questions. Um, But I was going to say, did we miss your question? If so, sorry. It's never, ever anything personal. Um, And also to say, inside the picture book course, we do three live Q&A calls where you can email your question in or you can ask it in the chat live and we answer as many as we can. And if we don't answer them, we like put them onto the next one. Basically, we get through all the questions. Um, And we've got an archive of all the live calls that have happened on the three previous courses. So you have access to all of those. Quite often the questions are, honestly, they're the same 15 or 20 questions because we all have the same concerns about this. So you will find someone has probably asked your question um, and you'll find it in one of the previous archives. And we also have an incredible online community in the Picture Book course yes. as well. So you can sort of crowdsource ideas and just share what you're up to and support other people. Because um, if you have a burning question, you're like, I need an answer right now. I can't wait till the live call. Then you can ask it in there. And yeah. in that private Facebook group, um, we have uh, illustrators who are just starting out, who have you know barely started on their career, right up to people who have been publishing picture books for a really long time. And the beauty of that is that often the more experienced people help out the newbies, which is brilliant. So if we're not there that day answering questions, somebody else probably will. And um, if that's made you worry that you haven't got enough experience to do the course, don't worry, because we have massive spectrum of people, don't we? We have people who never went to art school, people who went, but then they got 
you know, life got in the way, they had children or got a job. The the spectrum of people is huge, isn't it? Yeah. And the thing they all have in common is that they want to make a really great picture book. Even if they've already made one, they want to make one even better. And if they've never made one, they want to learn how to make one. So hopefully that helps clear up some questions you might have. But yeah, if you're listening to this on the Thursday, tomorrow the doors close. So you've got like 24 hours, basically. And we're really strict and lazy. So when the doors close, that's it. Um, the technology is a bit bamboozling and once the doors are closed we can't figure out how to sneak people in otherwise the first time we did a launch we had all these emails from people saying oh no I've missed it please let me in and we said yes to everybody and then spent the whole weekend just frazzled trying to get people past the um, software to get them in it was was a disaster so we just pretend it's really good boundaries but it's uh, laziness and confusion (laughs) but yeah no it's good it's good boundaries it's good boundaries (laughs) anyways thank you for listening And we'll see you tomorrow. Bye. Bye. Bye.